Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Hey, everybody. Today's episode is with Romero from Brighter Investments. Now, Romero has raised £570,000 in 12 months, purchased six deals. Um, He talks about how to present a deal to investors and why, you know, there's a bigger picture for them. And it's not just about getting the return. So it's quite an interesting one on how to present to investors, um, how to scale up, when to quit your job, um, and also going from small residential projects to some bigger, quite interesting uh, projects that he's working on. And he explains how he deals with the, you know, all money in, all money out situation with properties. And also he's found a niche or a gap in his market, which is kind of stuff that most of us would probably look at and think, huh. Who's gonna Who's gonna live there? Who's gonna buy that? Not in a bad way, but in a hmm, don't quite understand it way. But he has done this to his success, um, and he quit his job not too long ago in marketing, uh, and he lives in Nottingham and invests around the area. We also talk about challenges, you know, how to keep going again and again and again whilst he was working full time, um, and also how to you know, deal with leaving money in on every deal and how to then carry on to the next one, how to scale up from, you know, a lick of paint to a a, uh, a more complex refurb and and many other bits and bobs of, of challenges that he's had. So I'm really looking forward to this. We we did this in person, so the YouTube video will be out very shortly so you can see our pretty faces. If you haven't left a review, please do. And if you want to talk about investing with me, please go to tejinvests.com and then give me a call or, well, let's have a chat. Romero from Brighter Investments. Welcome to the Tesh Talks podcast. Hello, Tesh. Uh, you know what? I, I ask people to send me an email of uh, their achievements and challenges. And okay. most people, it's like six bullet points. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I'll get back to you. Or but for you, I was mm-hmm. like, what the hell? I was like, <laughs> okay, we need to do this podcast. Okay. Because, I mean, I, I, I just can't even read it now. There's so much. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I think the listeners... Are really going to enjoy this one, and just to give some headline, just to give some headline figures, you raised five hundred and seventy thousand Great British pounds mm-hmm. sterling mm-hmm. in twelve months. Yeah, uh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think no matter mm-hmm. what deal sizes people have, people would love to raise that kind of money in mm-hmm. the time you did. So before I go and tell your whole story for you, mm-hmm. can you tell me and the listeners before we get into property, before all the awesome things you've achieved in a short time in property? What were you doing before property okay. and, and what led you to this industry? So before property, I, um, for example, had a normal job. Um, I was working in a, um, I'd like to say a collections call centre, um, collecting money um, or debts from individuals that had car finance um, or loan agreements and either defaulted or couldn't afford to pay. Um, I quite actively talk about this at my events and I say that the salary I was on for up north is nothing great. I mean, I'm 29 at the moment now, so... This is 10 years ago. I was on a salary of, I can remember, £14,464. Wow. Um, okay. So if you look at the average of the UK, that's nowhere near the average. Um, it's a very low salary. Um, however, I mean, this company I was working for, um, they did go bust in the end. So after five <laughs> or so years, they went bust. Um, but basically, the bonuses they were paying, I mean, we were talking about working full time and coming out with a bonus that could potentially be 
two grand every quarter. So if you okay. if you do the maths on that, I mean, you're looking at, I was there for two years. Then I decided to go to university. And rather than moving to university, I went to university in Derby and I decided to stay at home. So I had the benefit of, yes, you go to university, you've got your friends, you go out with them on nights out, but you're also living at home. So you've got no financial commitments. Yeah. Yes, I did drive to university. So yes, I had a car that I'm paying perpetual for. But I found that working part-time, I'm getting, let's say it went down to £550 a month, in addition to still getting a percentage of bonus, not now the two and a half grand level because I'm not full-time, but it's still your 600 a quarter or 1,000 a quarter. So all of a sudden, I'm accumulating all of this finance, which in my eyes was going towards a car. I was looking at a C-class coupe when of I finished course. university. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and talking about spending 15 to 20 grand on a Straight car. So flash, yeah. yeah, that's what I was looking at. Um, and as I'm going through that process, I then decided that why would I spend all this money on a car? I've been watching Hose and the Hammer for the past three or four years. I've been going to pin networking events as well. Something clicked in my mind that am I really going to take all this money that I've now accumulated? Um, sorry, just to add in there, I still went to university and thought, how can I access student finance? So I still pulled the game of you're working, making a saving, but you're also getting student finance. So I found that I was using the student finance to obviously live while still saving more or less 80% of that salary that was coming in. Okay. Um, and that's how I think I got a little bit of a head start because as I was finishing university at the age of 21, I just bought my first uh, property in the, I think it was the June, um, and then I turned 22. That was an so, investment property? That was an investment property. Um, it wasn't a massive refurb. It didn't need a bit of work. Um, we might get into it a bit later, but it was only like a four grand refurb, um, which I did post the first set of tenants moving out. And you were 21 years old? I was 21 old. at that moment in time, and yeah. Just turning 22 with my own money, yeah, in that scenario. Fantastic. Okay. So all I knew then was from going to two or three pin sessions was you need your own money. You have to raise, um, I think in that case, I had a 20% deposit. Um, this is, as I said, seven years ago. So I had to put down roughly, yeah, so um, with that property, as I said, it needed a little bit of work to be done. Um, as I said, I think the purchase price was around £60,000, small refurb, three or so grand afterwards, and it was only worth 70 grand. So it's, it was very small, low end um, in a council estate in Nottingham. But as I said, all I knew was all your money in, in terms of your own physical money, and all your money stays in. So I didn't know about okay, all yeah. money in, all money out, or no money down. I didn't know anything about this stuff. Um, mm. That's all later on as you start to learn and read more books. So that's where I initially started uh, my original journey. Mm. Um, and as I said, it was around about 20% deposit of 63 grand. I think it was about just short of 20 grand all in with legal fees. Um, okay. Then cash flows around 220 a month. Um, yeah, that's kind of normal for yeah. to let, yeah. But my idea was then ascertaining 10 of those. But I quickly found the problem, which is what you probably come to in a bit of your money being left in. My money's left in. Where do I go next? It's just taken me four years to save 20 grand, so to speak. So, how did you? So, from that point where you were at the knowledge, which is probably what, if we exclude our circles and property, our property industry network, Mm -hmm. most people have that knowledge, which is because we compete against them. We're offering this, they're offering this. Yes. Because they're going to leave it and it's normal. How did you go from the stage of, right, I'm. Now, leaving in money, this is normal to, I need to pull everything back out and refinance. Mm-hmm. How did that shift come? I think the shift came from, I guess, seeing the lights of homes on the hammer, knowing that, okay, there's a reason why they're making this X amount of profit. So do I need to now look at doing the same thing and flipping something? Um, I then went to networking events, um, managed to see a broker, for example, that spoke about, oh, do you know there's a lender that does a certain amount of the bridge and then they will refinance at the new value. So that was something new to yeah. me to hear. As always, you go away, you digest it, you start doing some more research. Um, with all due respect, the internet seven years ago, there wasn't a great deal there. 
um, yeah. in terms of YouTube or... Or, or TED Talks, really, most importantly. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a case of kind of doing your own work on that mm. and then going with it and seeing how it plans out, um, which is what I then did on my next deal. And fortunate enough, yes, I could save a little bit more money um, to go and do another deal with, again, the majority of my money in, um, about 95% of my money. Um, but more importantly is we needed um, roughly, I think, about 60 grand. Um, I had a certain amount to bring to the table, but no, I didn't have the full amount. So what I then did at that time is I approached uh, my business partner, um, who's also um, 50-50 with Brighter Investments. Um, to be honest, I'm related to them. Oh, fair enough. So <laughs> funny enough, I'm related to them. Um, they, I knew, had access to a certain amount of cash. I knew they had a couple properties as well. Okay. So in my eyes, it was a case of how do I now pitch this plan to somebody to get them to work with me? Um, we never worked together with each other. We spoke to each other. I wouldn't say we was, um, I wouldn't say we was best friends, so to speak. We just had conversations. Yeah. Um, we could. We sat down and said, okay, this is the deal. So it needed a total of 60 grand all in. Um, I had a certain amount to bring to the table and I knew he had the rest to bring to the table. We sat down and said, okay, let's go with it. Um, let's see how it plans out. And it planned out quite well in terms of what we did and then what we tried to um, originally sell it for, which we then couldn't sell um, for that amount. Why not? Um, I think it was a time thing, maybe. It was back in 2015. Um, maybe we asked for the extra premium five grand that, that you do when it's in a very nice condition. Um, I think it was offered slightly less. We're talking about seven or eight grand, but sometimes I then look at it and say, in my head, it's worth what I'm asking for. And then that's looking at it saying, okay, I'm going to make 11 grand profit. And then days, it was a long time ago, we, we do substantially more now, but I'm going to make 11 grand. In my head, it's not about making the 15 grand. It's about, I actually value this asset now yes. as it should achieve me the 15 grand. And if it doesn't, then yes, we can look at renting it, uh, which is what we then did. Again, hitting that again, hitting that cash flow of, as I said, around the 220 a month um, cash flow. Um, so that was the original strategy. Then all of a sudden I came accustomed to of, okay, you put X amount in, for example, 60 grand, but now you can take out, I think we took out about, roughly it's seven years ago, 45, 50 refinance. grand on a refinance. Okay. So yes, there was some money left in, but it was very minimal. We then went straight from that deal to the next one okay. without any further delays because we've been working now for the next six months while the legal process was going on and the cool. refurbishment. So you're now accumulating some finance back again. Okay. And so you were working full time until what year? Full time until 2017 April. Okay. So, so how many years were you in property part time? So part-time property, I was there from um, seven years ago from now. Okay. So seven years ago, I was, was part-time um, doing, as I said, I would say roughly one rate, one project, maybe two at the push a year. Um, from, now you're probably doing that like every few months or every month. Like. Yeah, every, every few months. I mean, yeah. there's times where there's two completions in a month, um, yeah. depending on what's happening or what deals are out there. So yeah, it's changed a lot from then. Um, but the typical run rate then was one or two a year at the most. Um, there was times when I was doing two projects at once, both active. Um, one was just finishing and one was coming on. And this is still while working okay. full time. Um, so how said. did you, because obviously one or two projects a year, you have a business partner. So you're splitting mm -hmm. 220 times two, basically you're getting 220 each, which is not life changing. And it's yes. not enough probably to pay your bills, mm -hmm. your food, whatever. Mm -hmm. How did you know? Or what was the mm -hmm. moment you went, you know what, I'm quitting my job. Mm -hmm. I'm going full time. I'm going to hammer this out properly. And for, well, for me, that question was a case of when you're now on your day job, and you've got an hour break or an hour lunch, so to speak. When you're now booking all your viewings between 12 and 2, and then unfortunately sometimes the agent can't do 2 o'clock, they can do it 4. So when you're now all of a sudden taking your lunch at 4 p.m. 
on a on a Monday or on a Tuesday or you're taking it at 11 a.m. With all due respect, my job was quite good. You could start, I mean, you went to do nine to half five, for example, you could start at 10. You could start at half past 10. So okay. in summer scenarios, yes, I was doing that viewing at nine o'clock in the morning, then going to work. Um, oh, look, Ramirez walking in at half past 10. There's always, th- there's a reason be- behind it. But yes, I'm still there doing the work. I'm in my presentations with the, with the big boss, showing him all the figures because I'm putting the extra hours into work outside of work as well. So it's then trying to juggle the two jobs in one. Then it gets to a stage, like you said, where you're then struggling a little bit to do both. Mm. Um, you then now have a client that thinks this is your job. <laughs> so all of a sudden now they think you're doing this every day. So why is your phone not being answered at 11 o'clock in the daytime or at one o'clock? And then when you're doing that on top of the viewings, it then gets way too much. Yeah. Um, my business partner as well, he also works full time. Um, I was a little bit of the brainchild in terms of pushing that Brighter Investments message. Um, to the marketplace. Um, I also had a marketing background in the job that I was doing um, two and a half years prior to, to quitting that job. Um, we was focusing on um, marketing messages to education and to corporate businesses. So I always had a marketing um, state of mind on how to take something to market. Um, maybe not as good as you with the branding side of things um, and how to get that right or even the copywriting. But in terms of the message that needs to get out there, I was always key in these are the four words I want to get out there. So for example, it is an investment management message. Mm-hmm. And then you work with the expertise um, people that are out there that are copywriters to say, okay, this is how we now have an article written. This is how we now um, pull together the colours and the branding yeah. to bring that message to market. Okay. So for you, it was a case of like physically, it was too much to juggle both. Yes. But then how did you know that you could survive without the job income? When you only had, let's say, a few bites or less mm-hmm. at a time, what was your plan mm-hmm. for the, the money aspect of that? So so my plan was this. Um, my plan was, okay, have I got three to six months worth of paying my salary that I've been making? And the answer to that question was yes. Oh, in terms so, of savings? In terms of savings, yes. Okay. So I had six months worth of savings um, that I knew that this is the backup. On top of that, I had two deals signed, ready to go. Um, those deals were clients saying, okay, I want to do a refurb. I want you to achieve me X amount and then you take X amount of the profit. That's the way I was structured um, back then. So I knew in my head, I've got X amount of savings. On paper, I'm going to make X amount from these two deals alone. So for me, that was enough. I mean, I've always been a risk taker. So I've looked at it and said, you know what? This is a get out clause that I've kind of already got some money here. I'm kind of promised in principle some money. I've got to deliver. I know that. But for me, I'm looking at it saying, okay, I've done about five or six projects so far in the previous two or three years. So surely if I perform on these projects like the past ones have, I'm, I'm going to be okay to keep going further. Yeah. Um, on top of that, so I left in the, I think it was May the 1st or April the 1st is when I originally left. My little boy was due in September the 29th. Okay. So if you look at this scenario now where you've got a little boy due 29th of September, you quit your job. So you've got four months, I think it is. Um, before so you've got yeah so you've got four months to make sure this income thing is working because you've got a little bit on the way and in addition to that I mean you've got to buy a push chair you've got to buy a pram so we're it's talk- a good kind of pressure right it's a good pressure like, this is coming in this is it I um, need to work harder you need to work harder that's it so for me I yeah obviously I wanted to have the fi- or have the things ready for him so you know when you're working you know that okay well if I've got £300 spare as an example for that month that £300 is towards a pram as an example, okay. in this scenario, remember, I'm using my savings, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is a, a set figure um, that I'm working to per month. So all of a sudden now, yes, I'm trying to deliver these projects, but I'm 
I wouldn't say more determined, but I know what needs to be achieved and I know I need to now hit this number and work very hard to hit it. So I like that because you said you're a risk taker, but you obviously still planned enough. You can't be an utter lunatic and say, I've got yeah. no savings, let me just quit. Of course. You planned enough, mm-hmm. but you also had an incoming pressure that you obviously loved and cared about yeah. to also make you work. And I mm-hmm. think it can be scary to rely on that pressure, mm-hmm. but we're all capable people. Yeah. With the right pressure, with the right sort of security mm-hmm. and savings, we mm-hmm. can get things done like that. That's it. Mm-hmm. So obviously you quit your job and you've been in property full-time for two years now? Two and a half years, so Feb 2017, so yeah, two and a half years. And so right now it is, is it October? It's October, October 2019. That's correct. Yeah. What does your portfolio look like right now in terms of property so, zone, net income? Okay. Mm-hmm. Give me everything. So in terms of my properties, so I, uh, per, so combined we own 16 properties. Mm-hmm. Um, we was doing the numbers uh, yesterday. In terms of, okay, what have we got? Let's write it down on paper because yeah, yeah. we've got this interview. Because you're buying, buying, and you're like, oh, wait. Yeah, what's, what's happening? How many do I ask? Yeah, this is it. So there's sometimes where someone asks me the question, in all due respect, I always say, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, are you being serious? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know because last week there was something that we did. Yeah. Um, two months ago, there's another thing. So I physically have no clue. You're just um, busy. You're yeah, busy. you're busy. Yeah, yeah, so sometimes it's, I don't know, all of a sudden I'm, I sit back and look and I say, oh, which I did yesterday. So I'm personally at eight properties. Um, which is a mixture of HMOs, mixture of um, single lets, okay. predominantly single lets. That's where I went originally. And um, all in Nottingham where you live? They're around everywhere, to be honest. Okay. So the majority is Nottingham and there's a few of them that are Midlands based okay. as well. Um, and there's a project I'm doing in, in Yorkshire, which I kind of class that as a business project, mm-hmm. not one of my personal ones. Um, so yeah, the more or less, I say four of them Nottingham, I think the other four are spread around the Midlands. So you've got the likes of um, Leicester, Derby, uh, Birmingham, more minor like Lincoln and Newark and places like that. Mm-hmm. So yes, they are spread around. Um, my business partner, he also owns eight properties as well. Okay. So yeah, his are all, as I said, um, single lets and he has eight as well. So combined, yeah, there's a, there's a healthy portfolio there. Um, so rough... What kind of net profit monthly does that bring you? Because I want people to know, mm-hmm. right, when I get to eight sort of properties and we'll mm-hmm. go individually, like in terms of what they are, what sort of, you know, profit mm-hmm. or in their pocket can they expect yeah so a mixture of those are so just to be clear 16 of those there is two that we jointly own okay. between us so if you think about it, that's actually 14 properties okay and then combined but obviously fine. we own uh, two of them joint so net income on that uh, roughly um i think we're probably roughly around that 1600 1700 pound mark each. um each um excluding the hmo there's a hmo in there that's probably a little bit more to add in i think that's about £900 a month net which again is split 50-50 with someone else on that which is mine Um, so there's that to add in there as well so again there's some properties that are with him as you see it's 220 net flow but yes I only take 110 so you see the smaller ones are in there I've got some of the bigger ones that are doing 350 as single lets because they were good money in and money out deals um, and good mortgage rates so combined as you can see that income for seven single lets is I would say it's good for single lets but if you compare that to HMO you'd have someone that would say well I achieve that from one HMO which they own outright on their own or maybe two so if yeah. you then look at that strategy like you said when I was quitting my job there wasn't enough there from a cash flow point of view to say okay well I'm now surviving solely yeah, from yeah, yeah, yeah. 600 700 pound a month which is where it was at that time from the amount of buy to lets that I had it's not enough to physically survive um, which is why the working with clients was quite important at that time to do projects for them and bring an in- income in. Okay. And this is interesting to know because if you times that by 12, you've almost got the UK average salary. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for people to know you don't need that many properties mm-hmm. to reach a level of income that could probably sustain a lot of our bills, car, rent. Yeah. And I'm talking about a good car, That's good it. house. Yeah. It could be sustained with mm-hmm. that. And I think it's 
you know, I always like to share this, right? Yeah. To, to show people, look, it is actually achievable. Yeah. And you can do it the same time you've done it. You can do it slower than you. You can do yes. it quicker than you. You can do it in your own time. Yeah. But it is achievable, right? So before, before we started this podcast, and as I kind of said in the introduction, you raised £570,000 in mm-hmm. investor finance. Mm-hmm. I mean... Tell me how I can do that, please. <laughs> so, and a, so a key one for me on raising investor finance, um, I always say this to anyone that this is what I did. If you've got a clear objective of what you're trying to achieve, so for example, we're, we're buying, for example, let's say tomorrow, me and you, Tez, we're buying um, a building in London somewhere that's £500,000 that's going to be Good worth a million pounds. Yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> um, it's impossible, but that's what we're doing. So we can now pitch that we've got this building for 500 grand. We're now looking to make it worth a million pounds. Okay. This is the reason why we need 500. Our refurb cost is 200 grand, for example. And there's a big number left at the end, which we're saying to you as Mr. Investor, we're sharing a piece of that pie with you at a good rate, um, which is better than the bank. So whether that's, I mean, you get people talk about 5%, whether it's 10%, whether mm-hmm. you go into the extreme and saying I can do 15 or 20%, which is massive numbers. Um, I'm an investor, I know 20% is a big number, you do as well. But whatever that number is, how can you put that together in something to make it look very attractive for an investor? Um, and that's what I think we go away as Brighton Investments and try and always do. Um, with all due respect, I say we've also got the um, backing at that for example, we can go to auction, which is what I've done, let's say, a year and a half ago. We've gone and bought something outright for, example, um, £87,000. We've then said, okay, we need sixty grand worth of refurb. That £87,000, although we, in the back of our mind, have forty grand um, from a client saying, yes, I'm in with forty grand. Here's a deposit of ten grand, for example. So, yes, you can go to auction now and put the ten grand on your card. Oh, There's nice. my deposit. That's security for me to know that, well, it's unlikely they're going to withdraw when they've already sent you the 10 grand because mm. what would be the reason behind it? Um, you then got another investor saying, yeah, I've got 20 grand for you. That's fine. When do you want it? You got another investor saying, yeah, I've got the 20 grand for you. So all of a sudden, that's £80,000 towards the 87. We know, okay, worst case scenario, if someone withdraws the 20 grand or the seven, we can input that slight shortfall. Yes. But how do you... Okay, so the first step you've given us is be very clear on your deal. Yes. So package it mm-hmm. correctly, describe it correctly, you know, have solid comparables, mm-hmm. um, have estate agents comments, mm-hmm. have have everything that I could look at it as, say, a millionaire and be like... Yeah, it makes I'm sense. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But then how do you... So these guys who are giving you money pre-auction, which is great, mm-hmm. because it means you, you're ready on your You're card. ready on your card, that's it. If you can... Yeah. How have you gone from, so right, you've got, okay. Okay, I'm Tej, I've got a deal, I've got clear parameters mm-hmm. of what the deal is, what's my next step to eventually get to what you just said you're at mm-hmm. now? And uh, what I think even, sorry, just to go back to that, it's about learning as well. So I've done deals where I've got the customer saying, okay, here's the 200 grand from three customers. We go auction, put the money on our card, the customer withdraws. Let's be realistic. Um, that happens as well. So we've obviously gone from all that learning process to, okay, yes, now we're doing the same deal of, you're giving us 100 grand, you want, as arguments say, 10% return. Okay, that's fine. 20 grand deposit, as an example, to get this ball rolling. Rolling. There is a waiting list in place. So it's, it's kind of messaging it in the right, right way. There's a waiting list that's going to take another four months to get the ball rolling. Um, so let's start rolling now, which means another year's time. Happy days, you've got your return. So packaging it together, as I said, having the right content to show these investors is, is very key. Um, and having... Also, the assets. So when we sit down with an investor, it's always a case of, well, okay, what have you guys got? Um, okay. I think you spoke about in your podcast the fact that 
you were looking for investment. You didn't go too too hard at trying to get it. Um, but unfortunately, the real scenario is you didn't get it on that yeah, one. Yeah, I did. So in that scenario, as you said, the more you now get under your belt, they say, oh, what have you got? Opens well, up doors. Yeah, opens yeah. up doors. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll talk actively about a deal that I did back in May this year with an investor, a very big deal um, that they wanted a guaranteed return on. Um, they asked me the question of, okay, what else have you got in the background? So I said, okay, you told me what you'll be happy to see. Um, I think they said they want to see, for example, four or five properties. I said, no problem, that's fine. Let me go away and I'll come back to you and show you a portfolio of whatever you want, 200 gram of equity, 250. I can show you that. And again, I'm not saying that was the reason for closing the deal. But it it's adds, a factor. It's a factor that it's adds a factor, security yeah. and peace of mind. Um, but how do you how do you find these investors? So you've told us yep. what we need. So mm-hmm. you've told us here, which is once we find them, how mm-hmm. do we give them the source? How do we attract them mm-hmm. to us? But how do we find them in the first place? How do you place? find them in the first place? So for me, I mean, my strategy, which I'll share quite actively, I run seminars. So I run seminars that are a case of giving free information to guys that are getting started. Okay, so like how to get into property. How to get into property, that's it. How to get into property. This is what we're doing from simple. So I don't just say, oh, we do big refurbs that make you 50 grand profit and they cost 100 grand to refurb. No, let's be realistic. A lot of people getting started that I work with as, as clients that say to me, do a refurb for me, but manage it. So I have two different offers. Okay. I have one which is do a refurb, manage it. Another one which is, here's the money, give me extra return. Okay, yep. So on those ones that are getting started, that event for me is great for this is how you get started. This is how you do a simple refurb. Um, and this is what you potentially can make. You can make 10 grand. As an example, let's not always talk about big figures of 50 grand and, and half a million because they're, they're massive yeah. numbers for anyone getting started. So at an event, I'm giving back because I see it as when I was getting started, there wasn't many of those half a day events or two hours events that go into, okay, these are the numbers. These are how you do it. This is where you get deals from. This is how I spoke to an agent on this deal. So for me, it's a case of sharing. I mean, you probably noticed the property market seems the most loving market, if that yeah, makes sense, in terms crazy. of competitors, if that makes yeah, sense. it's all love. Um, it's all love. Competitor. There's a few haters out there. You know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's generally yeah, there's a few. love. Yeah. There's a few. I see some funny um, comments on certain posts. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's all love, generally. I mean, you look at your... I mean, I'm not just doing, say, bigger players, but you look at some of the guys like, obviously, yourself, um, there's likes of Inside Property Investing, um, even the, the guys like Anthony Bell and guys like that, they're all, there's friendly comments. You mm. say a comment, they get a comment back. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a very loving environment. So for me, I share everything, all that information that I know. And I get guys along to the event. Again, you're speaking at my next event, Tez. Um, I've had guys in the past that- When is that for everyone? Um, that is on the 14th of November. That's Blackfriars, Crown Plaza, at 6 p.m. till 9 p.m. Um, so yeah, be there. I, I will be there. I will be there. But make sure you come along. It's going to be good. Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about yet. <laughs> I'll, I'll work it out soon. Okay. So the property, the, the property culture mm-hmm. is very loving. It's very loving. Mm-hmm. And these events that you do, how do you attract people to turn up to them? So for me, so we do a bit, quite a bit of social media. So for example, everyone knows Instagram now is a big platform for raising awareness. And that's a platform I see as doing that awareness and getting an interest in the service that you're offering. You then event is the next stage of, okay, can I get the um, action and create that desire that they want to either work with me or even go to property themselves. So for me, the event is, okay, yes, you can come and have a read, um, listen to what we do, maybe work with me, but it's not just about working with me. It's a fact of now you're getting into a sector that is different to what you've currently been doing in the past. And if I get an email to say, oh, your event was great and now I'm doing something, for me, that's still a tick in my box of, okay, now I've left a bit of a, impact or a legacy on someone else's journey that they remember oh these guys did something great um and would you say that you get 
because you know the, you know the property industry, especially the training industry, mm-hmm. it, it does have a bit of a bad name at the moment. There's yeah. a few you know accusations, a few you know court cases, whatever you want to call yeah. them, going up and down. Do you find that people come to your event and they take value from it and they want to invest in you? Like, would you say that you've raised money from those events? So I'll say it's a mixture of both. I've seen guys come to the event. I've seen them go away continue their personal journey so they've gone and bought something they've done a refer for example and, and sold it but i've also had guys that have come to the event and said well i want to get into something maybe a little bit bigger um, from a development point of view and i think you're the right guys to be maybe partner with and um, okay. i've had other individuals at the event that said i don't want the hassle of owning a property i want to invest and get a return so i've had yeah all of those at the event. So and that's kind of what we, we want to hear ideally. Yes. I think JVs are great. Um, mm-hmm. Doing manual refurbs are great. Mm-hmm. But I think the ideal for us as investors is give someone a fat return. Yeah. Buy properties with it and, mm-hmm. and et cetera, et cetera. That's it. And, and I think, again, a comment to that is anyone looking to give those returns, I think you have to weigh up two things again. I know in your scenario, Tej, you spoke about, well, you wanted a five grand investment. It wasn't a case of, giving away five or 10% of that profit, why would you do it? It was a case of that relationship moving forward. He's either got the 50 grand in the bank and he's just told you five grand. Yeah. Or his friend's got half a million in the bank that he's going to tell his friend about. Oh, talk to Ted. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. As well. So, um, again, I don't want to jump too quick, but I'm going on to a topic where I did my first event 2017, um, April, Crown Plaza. I had... I think it was 13 attendees. So not great. First time to London. Hey, that's pretty um, first event. That's first good. attempt. So again, I had a delegate there. After the delegate, I'm uh, sorry, after the meeting, we spoke about an investment of 20 grand. Again, I was very new to property. I was talking about returns of around the 5% level, which I still do at the moment and I still do greater returns as well. Unfortunately, four months down the line, I didn't win that deal. So I lost that deal. But funny enough, she came back to me in nine months after and said, to be honest, this is the reason you lost the deal. So we now had a conversation after having many conversations. What was the reason? Was there anything? The reason was the percentage. She said, someone else came to me at that moment in time and offered me, offered her, sorry, 1% more. But she didn't come back and say to you at the time, can you beat this? Not at the time, no. She didn't give me that awareness. Interesting. Um, I didn't have a relationship in terms of previous business relationship as of yet because if i was her i would have i would be like Come back. can you beat this please yeah because you know yeah. what i mean but yeah okay, that's, that's it so at that time i didn't um have that opportunity to to beat it um a year later she came back and said okay well this is what the other person offered me can you can, what can you do so i've gone away you've digested with my business partner we said do you know what this is what we can do she's turned around and then said okay well i've got 50 grand not 20 <laughs> so and this is the part of i mean i'm trying to refer back to that relationship of yeah. The five grand at whatever percentage, 5%, 10%. It's not always about that one deal. It's the bigger picture. It's um, not. And I mean, I think the example like I gave on, on my podcast before is like, I've got an investor who will loan me 85% loan to value as opposed to one of my others, which would do 100. Mm-hmm. But the one who's got 85% LTV loans out, he said he's got 4 million pounds loan out at the moment. Okay. Not his, I think he's like a sort of broker. But And I said... Cool. 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 <laughs> like, I'm going to put in 15% of my own money mm-hmm. or another investor. I will take a hit because of, of course. the huge floodgates mm-hmm. that can open can have, yeah. if they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, we all say things at the start. We're always cautious. 85%, yeah. this percentage. Yeah. As it goes along, as you get paid, yeah. we know what's going to yeah. get bigger, right? And, and, and even, the, again, I'm moving on to the fact of I work with some clients now where um, there's a few clients who will know this, that I see a deal on paper. And if it stacks and if you're talking about, a residential property that's 
derelict in the middle of nowhere, which is a lot of what I do. Um, and it needs 150 grand refurb and there's a number at the end of 100 grand, for example. If an investor's physically said, here's all the money, um, they don't own the property, they've just said, here's all the money, you do the refurb. I can look at a very good percentage and we're, we're talking about numbers way beyond 10% here um, because we're looking at saying, we've got a relationship with them. Why are we only creating 5% when they're yeah. saying, here's 150 grand? What? Why not? Why not reward them as a client that they keep coming back and spread the message to their friends as well? I think that's something people also forget. Yes. I think because we're getting cheap money, we all want cheap money. Of course, of course. we do. Zero percent, mm-hmm. I'll take that any day. But actually, the sometimes the cheaper the money, the bigger the cost of the relationship. And especially, I mean, even if you surprise your investors, even if you agree five percent, the end of the year you're like, actually, you know what, Mister, Misses, here's eight percent, here's nine, yeah. and they're like, what? Yeah. They're not necessarily going to keep expecting it, but they're going to be like, "Damn, he Damn. Yeah, yeah, cares yeah. about us backwards." Yes. Um, and actually, you'll find some of your investors. Again, this is something that I didn't used to think that investors would necessarily care about us because one said to me, "Tej, you're buying like five properties at once. Are you okay? Can you handle it?" Of course, I can. All good. But you know, you're paying me interest um, quarterly. I think it is or something. Of course, mm-hmm. And then they were like, "That's money coming out of your account." It, like, yeah. Can you? I want you to win as well. And I yes. was like. Oh, damn. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. You don't think yeah. that. You just think, oh, it's a transaction. They want their yes. money. You want your money. Yeah. But actually, she was like, look, I'm happy to lend. Keep mm-hmm. buying. Mm-hmm. But I want you to be comfortable that you can afford this. Yes. And you're not taking it. I was like, look, I'm taking no profit. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, take profit. Yeah, and, I was like, and I was like, look, yeah. this mm-hmm. is just how it works. Mm-hmm. So I think for us, yeah. it's important to remember. Yeah, this, that's right? it. And, and I think the moral of that story for me saying to anyone is, okay, you might lose a deal or you might not get a certain deal with someone that's looking to loan you some money, or even the client that wants to manage a refurb. But don't get kind of too disheartened about it. Move on from it. There's a lot of investors out there that there'll be someone that takes to your personality and wants to work with you. Um, that's how I see the property market. Um, I work with a lot of people that are starting out, for example, on certain deals, um, and they're doing the same thing that I do, like a lot of people do in this industry. But I always look at it and say, there's a lot of investors out there that there'll be someone that likes the other person over me. Yeah, 100%. Which yeah. is fine. And you know what? Let, let me put you on the spot right now because you've raised quite a bit of money. Right. I have just bought a property. Uh, let's make it a bit easier. Estate agent. So there's no mm-hmm. auction 20 day completion. But let's say I want to complete in, you know, four or five weeks, really. Mm-hmm. I haven't got the money. Um, I've got a couple of grand. Let's say purchase price is 50 grand. Mm-hmm. Talk me through some tangible steps that I can do in the next two to four weeks that could raise me 50 grand. What you could do is that deal you've got... For example, I'm putting an investment here on now where you approach me or Mr. Smith, who's my friend, for example, and say, this is the deal I've got. I want to see on paper, what is that deal? Um, I don't necessarily want to see there's that address of the property. I want to know, this is the property. This is the work I'm going to do. So 50 grand purchase price, 25 grand refurb, and value is 100 grand. On paper as an investor, I'm now confident that you know what you're doing to say, okay, here's the 50 grand. You take the 50 grand. You go and do your work. Come back to me at the end with my 55 grand, for example. But how do I find you? How do you find me in the first place? Yeah. That deal you've got, package it. So make it clear that it's your deal. You're about to buy this, regardless of any investment. Mm-hmm. So it's about how, is it, how does it look? You're buying this. Without any investment, promote it. Okay. Looking for um, 25 grand on this deal, a few spaces left. And that's how you promote it, whether it's social media or whether it's an email contact list that you've already got in place. Um, in my scenario, I've been doing events for two and a half years. I've got a very healthy email list of as well. Course, yeah, yeah. Some people have never been to the event. I've never met. I do normal monthly newsletters. So we're not always talking about profit, um, for example. Um, I think you had um, fat properties on quite yeah. a while ago. 
Um, a very good comment he made was, okay, I think you asked him what was a profit. He said, firstly, was it's not always about profit. Yep. Sometimes it's about the impact on that student's life. Yes. Have you um, done something to help them achieve their first class honours degree? That environment of the bedroom or of the kitchen mm. has impacted them to achieve a first class. They've got yes. to cook their food. They've cooked it. It's very nice. They've got a nice pot to cook it in. It's been five minutes, not half an hour in the oven. <laughs> um, little things like that, to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's impacted them. So it's about that as well. Um, okay. As to how you can then raise all the, all the finance, I would say. And then going back to the other half of this, which is the deal. I remember you mentioned something to me on the email before that you find a niche or a gap to do a different type of project. Yeah. This may be away from the usual stuff. Yes. But you still achieve good numbers. Can you talk me through one of those deals and what it, what it is? Yeah, so I will talk about one. Um, I'm going to go to one at the moment that's in planning permission um, okay. and just about been approved. Basically, that deal was a... So there's four properties in the middle of nowhere. When I say the middle of nowhere, we're talking about half a mile away from the main streets. Okay. So it's a farm. There's no main sewage. Um, there's okay. no gas supply. Just to put into perspective. Um, <laughs> middle of nowhere, yeah. Middle Definitely, of nowhere. Yeah. There's four houses. There's um, a house next door that's the new build, 2003. So not too okay, old. Yeah. There's one house on there that's derelict that someone's just bought doing a little bit of work to. And there's another house that someone lives in that's done an extension. So they're the four houses along with the one that we're doing. Okay. It's a derelict building. and The bank repossessed it in May. It went to auction. I think it was 14-day completion. So you know auction's 28 days. This I've one... Done 14 before, so yeah. Yeah, 14 days Oof. completion. So you know there's no time for the legals. Um, if there's anything in there, you've got no time. So that one, I packaged it in terms of said, this is what we're buying. So regardless of an investor, we've kind of said, this is what we're buying. And that's how I always package it because it's something we may still well buy without an investor. Okay. In fairness, I did have an investor looking for a project of that scale that's saying, okay, here's 100 grand. Okay. Go and buy something and you put the rest of it. Okay. So that project, we packaged it. Um, the investor was already there, as I said, with a deposit ready to go. So we went and bought that outright at auction. So in that scenario, it's a bit different. Middle of nowhere, no sewer, um, no mains gas supply, in and a mortgage space, no access, sorry. Why would you want to buy this? We're looking at the numbers. So, I mean, again, the last four or five auction properties I've bought, I haven't seen them. So I'm flipping it to the guys that I think it was Peter that spoke about auction. Yep. Always view, constantly view. I'm going to flip a little bit away from that and say, didn't see anything. Um, the numbers were on this, paper. This deal is, it, it's higher risk than a buy to let. It, yeah, it's higher risk. It's, it's not anymore just state in its current condition. Um, and so you're buying the four buildings? You, so no, sorry, not the four buildings. There's one house left on that street that was being sold from auction. And it was in bad condition? Very bad condition. There was no access. So there was no viewings taking place. Um, to the point of when I've then gone to see it, you can see the door that the sort of sent someone to put um, nails through the door oh, and yeah, yeah. bolt it and all this kind of stuff. So for us to then get in when we've then bought it. But it's in to, the middle of nowhere, right? Middle of nowhere. It's in the place called um, Eastock, which is in Scumfort. Um, middle of nowhere. I only know Scumfort because yeah. um, Tiny Temper said it in one of his songs. <laughs> a- ages ago. That's it. I have no clue where it is. Okay, then why would you want to buy somewhere where so, it's in the middle of nowhere? Middle of nowhere. Something like that for me. You look at the whole buy-to-let market or the refer market. You've got everyone buying the properties that... I mean, I'm from Nottingham. Properties in Nottingham, 100 grand purchase price, 15 grand refurb, it's worth 110. So you do the maths, do the maths, where's the numbers? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing there. Um, I personally haven't bought a house in Nottingham for the past four years, excluding what I'm currently doing now, which is a HMO. So okay. take that out of scenario, out of the equation, I haven't bought a house in Nottingham, to put it in perspective, but okay. I've done about 10 
projects for investors from London in Nottingham. So put that in perspective. Yes, there's still a number there, but we're not talking it's, about yeah. 25 plus. It's okay. a lot lower. So, so you bought this house. Mm-hmm. And auction, how much did you buy it for? So I bought it for 87500 This was one it, Was it heated at auction or was it an easy... In fairness, I did that as a phone bid. Okay. So I was in London that day, so I did what a What was it guided at, bid. do you remember? It was guided at... Was it... I did one six months earlier that was guided at 35000 I think this one was guided at seventy. So not, not too far above guide. Yeah, I, think I guess 70. lack of access does scare some people. Yes. I mean, it, it would, yeah, right? It would do. You don't know what that does. It's spending a lot of money. And in fairness, the setup in terms of when you look visually at it, it doesn't, it doesn't work in terms of the layout. So it looks weird. It okay. does need an extension or it does need a new build. It's one Fine. of the two. Because it doesn't work. It looks weird. It doesn't make sense. Um, so it's 0.59 acres. So it's quite a large plot that it's on as well. Okay. Um, there would be potential for two houses, but it's on a brownfield site, so it's unlikely the council would approve yeah. two houses. Um, so we've got planned permission to take it from eighty-seven square meters to one hundred and forty-six. Do an extension. Do an extension. That's it of some sort. So, okay. Um, again, down to the due diligence of the estate agent that I spoke to prior to getting this property. Said, "Oh, to be honest, mate, I'll take knock it down. I've been there. I've seen it. Knock it down. Rebuild it." In my head, it's a case of does the number still work? And this is back to when I said I haven't seen it. The reason I haven't seen it is I know if I go there, I can tailor my numbers to be more precise. Whereas not seeing it, I work worst case scenario. So okay. on this one, for example, 87500 purchase price, my refurb on this was like 150. Does the numbers still work? So, 150 oh, so you're ref- knocking it down or you're extending So it? on this version, 150 um, extension, do my numbers still work? The GDV, 325 to 350. Does it still work? And will it sell in the middle of nowhere? Or is it one of those middle of nowhere that's quite nice? And, and one thing I look at is, it's the middle of nowhere, it's still okay or nice, but there's someone that lives next door. There's someone <laughs> that lives next door to that, and it's a common question I get asked. Yeah. Um, I'm working with, on a deal at the moment, which I don't want to go too much into. It's quite a big um, development. GDV should be about 1.55. Nice. Um, working on it, it should be completed. There's a few title deed issues. But again, the person I'm working with on that asked me a question of, do people want to rent there? Do people want to live there? I turned around and said, it's on an estate with 2,000 houses. <laughs> and that's my answer. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing else. To yeah. It. yeah. Yeah, yeah, There's another deal I won't go into, but again, middle of nowhere in a place called um, Bardney, which is in Lincoln. Middle of nowhere again. Um, cottage. Something different. Cottage. But again, okay, it's a small town, but there's 500 people that live there. So my question is, you're, te- you're now telling me there's not another one person yeah. within the 20 mile radius that doesn't yeah. want to move to that small town. Yeah, and I think when you know when you start out, it can be especially if you're from London or a big city, yeah. it can be hard to go to certain places and be like, "Who the hell lives here?" Like when I went mm-hmm. to Wales first time, I was like, "What?" And now yes. I'm just like, "There's demand everywhere." Yeah, that's even it. Even in the most tiniest mm-hmm. village, I'm like, "Nah, someone's son, someone's daughter is it's about it. to." And, and there you go. So that's where you hit the nail on the head. Of yes, there's only four houses there, but there's, there's someone. Whether they're commuting from Scunthorpe or want to uh, relocate from Scunthorpe to Eastoff, whether they want to live in Eastoff and work in Leeds, for or example. Or retire there if it's in the reti- middle of... There's someone. And I, th- I think maybe one thing for people listening is, if it is in a maybe an abnormal area, yeah. like this could be considered as, maybe leave a little bit more time for it to sell or rent, just to be safe, yeah. right? So, just to settle yourself. Yeah, there you go. So, for example, I've done a, a bungalow in Newark. So, Newark is a... Newark, where's that? Newark, Newark, sorry, it's near Nottingham. It's oh, okay, 40, yeah, yeah. Um, 40 minutes away. It's a smaller town. The sale time period, I mean, you put something on the market in Nottingham, it might go in two weeks. So it'll go instantly. Okay. Birmingham, maybe the same thing. Oh, Birmingham, yeah, definitely. The, the same thing, it'll be gone straight away. Newark, I mean, I sold a bungalow there. It took me two and a half months to get the sale agreed. So if you look at that perspective of mm. time, 
Yes, it's two and a half months, but there's still a very healthy number in there. And that's um, what matters. Yeah, and that's what matters. So on this one here, I mean, if you can achieve a healthy number that you're looking at it saying, okay, if you can do a hundred grand profit, potentially, the client I'm working with in this one was a, a brand new investor. She said to me, I've seen what you bought. I would never, ever buy that. <laughs> but the model she's coming on is, okay, let's give her a fixed return of X amount. That's very good. She's happy with that. That's the security that we've got it based on. Yeah. She's now based on my expertise to deliver okay. that project. Uh, but she said, I would never buy that. No way. It's too much of a big project. To me, it's simple. There's an extension. There's a refurb. And that's it. As simple as that. Um, and I think, you know, it's interesting because some investors like that may actually say, I'm not going to loan on it. They may just say, yeah. that's if that's my security, no thank you. Yeah, no thank Even you. Even the just like, yeah. oh, we know what it's worth. This is it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, and sometimes what I then do, so again, this is an advice for anyone, is deflect a little bit away from that type of purchase and say, okay, this is what it's towards, but let's underwrite the security by something else that we've got in the background. Yes, and that's the power of having your assets. That's it, to put it on a contract. So this is now what it's towards. So yes, we're buying that, but it's underwritten by all these other five assets in the background. Gives that peace of mind. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. And that's the part of, I said, my strategy on the model of when we're taking, as I said, like the 500 grand from clients to invest and give a return back on, we do look at the rural developments, um, so to speak, or the rural refurbishments. Um, For example, cottages. Uh, We've been doing quite a few cottages at the moment as well. So just a little bit different, which is away from what I guess most investors will be thinking about doing. Uh, yeah. Because it's very competitive. I mean, you're looking at a house, for example, in Nottingham or Birmingham, I'm probably looking at the same one. Yeah, especially in Birmingham. Someone yeah. else looking at the same one as well. So we're trying to exploit that rural destination that only yeah. a developer really wants to get involved in. It's true. And I think, you know what, I think it's it's important to do things differently because like you said, a lot of areas, especially Birmingham, and I'm sure Nottingham as well, you have that competition. You have a competition from builders who mm-hmm. have a bigger budget than you. Yes. Homeowners who have basically no budget. No budget. Mm-hmm. Londoners mm-hmm. who are just leaving money in. Again, often if they're, you know, mm-hmm. prime central on deliver on, you know, mm-hmm. here, they've got mm-hmm. no point even bidding again. They're yeah. going to win. And yeah. then they're silly. They're too silly to think about leaving less money or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So you're always competing. Us as investors are mm-hmm. four levels behind. Yeah. Especially at an auction, we are like four levels behind. So I think you should go for something different. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I'll buy a house with subsidence. Yes. If I know it can be fixed and mm-hmm. it can be sort of, I'll buy with knotweed. You know, I'll buy with stuff that people are scared. Damn, yeah. some people are scared yeah, yeah. of damn. Yeah, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. this is really drying mm-hmm. now. This is, this is not even an issue. Mm-hmm. So it is important to differentiate yourself. But by doing that, mm-hmm come challenges right yes so let's talk about your challenges in property what have been some of your biggest challenges why and how have you got through them so uh, to be honest a big challenge i did a rebuild of a house for a client back in 2017 knocked it down and rebuilt it okay never did it before but again that was down that was down to experience so in my head i knew exactly what what the refurb cost would be from doing six, seven projects prior to that period of time. So I knew, okay, my refurb, my doors, my door casings, my plastering, it's all it's all very tight. The only aspect I wasn't sure of was, okay, how much is it going to cost me to take this down, this house down and rebuild it? My major problem with the builder was the house was made out of a material called PRC, weights design. Um, basically, it's reinforced concrete that's um, held together with some steel kind of like supports. And his problem and everyone's problem was, to be honest, I'm struggling to quote the exact amount it's going to cost just to take the house down. I can quote you to build it, but to take it down, I'm struggling. 
So we took a little bit of a, a, of a risk and a gamble to say, okay, well, on this scenario, I don't do day rate in general, but on this scenario, on that aspect, we're going to have to go day rate for taking down the house, um, which we did. The house all came down. It was held up by Acros. Um, the first floor joists were held up by Acros and the um, roof was held up by Acros as well. But that was a big a big jump. Um, I even had dreams of um, the house just falling down. And it's a semi-detached house as well. So there's a house on the side that's already bought out of brick. We're now taking this house down and leaving. I mean, if you look at my website, anyone looking, um, listening at any point, you'll see it's just a shell and it's just I got a roof on. I definitely see this. I'm going to um, check this out. And it's crazy. I had dreams of it falling down. I was like, this isn't my house. It's my client's. My <laughs> client owns this house. So this project needs to be delivered and still sold and achieving. I think we achieved circa kind of, I think it was 25 to 30K. Um, profit which is still healthy but it was a lot of work I mean I achieved yeah. that number on a project that is, is not even major yeah. um, so it was a lot of work but yeah with all due respect we did achieve it and that was a challenge of you're doing something a little bit new and out of the ordinary can you now deliver so one thing I'd always say is anyone doing refurbishments keep pushing yourself and keep going that extra mile to get to the next level so yes you're starting simple with a 5 gram refurb keep going up so take your time go to the 15 gram refurb go to the 25 grand refurb, go to the 40 grand, and then start to play around with the structural problem once. Um, some people do it at the start, like you said, you'll do it yourself um, at the early parts of your journey. But those that want to take the time, yeah, take your time um, and, and go along that process. Okay. I mean, do you struggle to find deals? I think we all generally kind of do, but are you still like, you have to slog through offers and offers and offers? I think the only thing for me is when I'm doing it for the one where we do um, take a fixed amount and give a fixed amount back, Typically at the moment, my strategy on that is a lot of these are very derelict ones. A lot of them are in the auction. And you're not get, you're not finding people are overbidding for them? So there's some of them. Yeah, but I say yeah. in terms of the percentage-wise, I think there's a, still a quite a good percentage one um, in the auction yeah. version, I would say, um, okay. on those very derelict ones. I mean, I'm talking about the worst of the worst. Yeah, not yeah, ones yeah. that I'm talking about ones that are typically not even mortgageable. Um because there's no access like we said earlier so they're the ones I'm typically and that puts, people, that puts people off it puts people off um, you have to, and as you know Tej I mean 14 days the money ready there's no time for evaluation 14 days it's too quick so it has to be all, all cash so typically on those ones not really typically on the ones where I've got for example clients saying they want to own a HMO I'll be honest with you um, not even got article 4 you never see an HMO that's going at below market yeah, value that, that you can yeah. refurb and make money on no, no chance no way You'll see a HMO that needs work doing to it, that's bringing in 25 grand per annum, being sold at what it should be in a good condition at 250 grand, if not 300. And some, someone will buy it though, won't they? Someone will buy it, yeah. Um, so without going into too much detail, again, I'm doing a HMO at the moment um, with, with um, another um, business partner that he, he found it at 141,000 pounds in Nottingham Article 4. I've been around for seven years. I've not seen anything that cheap that's going to have a 40 grand refurb and be valued at, 300 grand I mean wow. do, do the maths it's, it's crazy numbers I've not seen that in 7 years I've had clients ask me to find something like that I've never seen but, them yeah. I can't see them I'm talking about Midlands whether it's Birmingham whether it's Nottingham mm, yeah, Leicester yeah, Derby I can't see it anyway so I have a realistic conversation with them that okay, I can't see this deal it's not really out there like that yeah, yeah. to achieve a return it's more of a ready made thing that you'll have to do on HMO okay um, and um, you know we spoke about your investment before the 570, mm-hmm. you have a list of sort of how it was raised. Yeah. It'd be good if you just talk or just t- take people through the, mm-hmm. just the numbers, because I think 
if we hear 500 grand, it's mm-hmm. easy for people to assume, oh, you found a billionaire and he gave you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, yeah. There's, there's quite a few the, numbers. The, so talk, talk us through that. Yeah, so to be honest, I mean, so this is across five deals. Um, one of them, which was just a simple refurb um, for um, an investor that had a property and wanted a refurb on. So it wasn't a purchase, um, one of the five. Um, but this is across 12 investors over a 12 month period of time. And when I look through all these amounts on here and I look at uh, and attach the work in terms of the conversations with these clients and the process and what I shown them, it was a lot of time spent. So one thing I'd always say to anyone listening is take that time, make sure you understand that deal and the numbers, but also sit down with your investor and go through the details with them as well in depth. And again, that, that may fail. You may meet 10 people and you get zero. And you get zero, that's it. You, you hope yeah. not. But it could mm-hmm. be it could be in your control. That's it, it could be you've done something wrong, or it could be yeah. they just mm-hmm. they're just not investors. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I'm trying to think the last time I got not back. I think it was um, two months ago. I had two investors I was talking to that both opted against um, a deal, and I'll be honest, that's probably one of the first times in quite a while that I've been not back. But it's a reality check yeah. to think, oh well, you're not kind of invincible. If that makes sense. You're not it's always going feedback, to get a deal. Right? And it's good feedback. Well, what can I improve and change on? This is it. And that's one thing I always ask for. So, I mean, I've got 12 here on paper. I'm just going to list half of them. Yeah, go on. Um, so, I've got a deal here of um, £105,000. Um, I've got one at 20000 another at 20000 another at forty, one at 15000 um, one at 10000 um, another at 20000 one at 25000 There's a few more in there. There's one more big one at hundred grand in there as well. So... And this is all from October the 15th, 2018 to October the 15th, 2019. So all within that period of time. I mean, there's a few more I've missed there, but there's 12 investors, three of which are on two different projects. Okay. And so I think what this shows to people is you don't, yes, we all want one lot of 500 grand. Yeah. But again, if you can take 12 lots of that much, Mm -hmm. give them an interest and Mm -hmm. also work with people at different levels. Yes. Someone's got 15 grand Mm -hmm. or 10 grand, I can see, is Mm -hmm. different to 105 potentially. that's it. Um, And in terms of that conversation, you don't sit down as an investor, as as an owner of a business and say, well, I'm going to talk to the 100 grand investor in a certain way. No, talk to the guy that's giving you 10 grand or five grand in exactly the same way and manner. Put the same value on that project that you would on the 100 grand project put the same value or talk to them and closing the business as you would with someone else. So if however you chase a lead down, do it the same way with the 100 grand mm. person as mm-hmm. the 10 grand. Think about that future relationship. I mean, there's one on here. Um, I spoke about the deal that I lost for 20 grand yeah. that I got 10 months later. Well, guess what? She told her friend and guess what? Her friend came and did a deal before her <laughs> at 25 grand. So this is the point I'm trying to make. Look at that. Don't turn around and say, well, oh, you didn't do that 20 grand deal with me. Um, I'm not going to talk to you again. Or you've only got X amount. This is it. Because no one's going to give you their life savings, are they? Of course not. So they've yeah, always got it. more. They always have friends mm-hmm. who have more. And like, I think the difficulty to raise each amount is not equal to the amount. Mm-hmm. I've raised like 60 grand off Instagram without meeting the people like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But then I've I've had to meet someone X number of times to yeah. get 10 grand. Yeah. So sometimes you're just like... How does this make any sense? And sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't. Yeah. Sometimes the mm-hmm. work does not equal the amount. Yeah. So don't feel disheartened when you put in a lot and you don't get out a lot mm-hmm. because that's the first deal. That's one of many. That's yeah. one person with 10 friends. That's it. And one thing I've probably not covered as well is always understand the object for the person giving the money as well. Mm, yes. That's the key thing. What do they want to achieve? So they will always say maybe a, a percentage they want to achieve, but it's not about the percentage. There's always another underlying thing the to understand. Reason, this yeah, is it. You can say yeah. it. I think it's important to ask, like I think the good question like mm-hmm. you're saying there is, what do you want 
from property? What do you want from this yes. investment? Because they could yeah. say a car or a hat, and then you get personal and you yeah. get to speak to them. And then actually it makes it more personal because you're like, I'm actually working for this person's new extension or yes. or something. That's it. And it shows yeah. you care because we do care. Like I, I just mm-hmm. don't want to give someone interest. That's I, it. I, as a nosy, but I'm like, oh, what are you using it for? Like, yeah, that's it. it. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things, right? Yeah. So remember, we've reached almost the end of the podcast. One of my questions mm-hmm. before the quick fire round is, is there a bit of technology or an app or a platform or something that you just can't live without? I'm going to name two, to be honest. I'm going to name um, mm-hmm. a scanning app. Um, okay. called Vascano. Um and again okay. it's not I guess it's nothing about raising awareness of what I do it's just about the ease of your day to day role okay. and job um, and it's as simple as that document that a mortgage lender wants back tomorrow it's printed you've already written on it for example I love this you're app. out and about and that's it scan Vascano um, sorry fast scanner Okay, I use, I use something called CamScan, the same thing. Same thing, yeah. It's amazing, isn't They're it? amazing. Because, I mean, we're out at the moment now, for example. For example, if I'm doing a deal with you, you're bringing this document to me right now. Well, unfortunately... Um, I ain't got a scan, I ain't got a fax, I ain't got a printer. There's nothing. Yeah, yeah so unfortunately, it's till you go back home tonight at 9pm. And that's if you don't fall asleep, for example. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably going to do that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the ease and the, the whole process is brilliant. And the other one for me is um, another one. There's different names of them, but you've got right on PDF. I mean, you've got a PDF and you're writing straight on it. Yes. Those two for me make everything seamless. Yes. Talking to investors, getting documents back, sending them back to them. They're the two for me that are just, I couldn't live without those two. Those um, two are so important. Why haven't I spoken about it before? Those two are very they're good. They're very important, yeah. The cam scanner one is incredible because instead of having an actual scanner, which is a bit long, you can literally get your phone, scan it, and it puts a filter on it as if it's scanned. Because mm-hmm. it, it's technically a scan. Yeah. What's it to them? Yeah, that's it. And you yeah. can email it straight email to them. straight up. That's it. And it, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Alongside HelloSign, but obviously a lot of lenders don't, they're, they're in 1990, yeah. they don't use mm-hmm. modern technology. It is really good. Quick fire round, yeah? Yeah. No Short, problem. snappy. What are your biggest three mistakes you've made in property? Um, so one of them was buying a property where we went in the kitchen, we took the thick 50 mil tile up that was like the old Victorian tile and it was concrete underneath. That's where the damp was coming up from. So we had to um, literally dig the whole kitchen out while I was doing the extension. There was probably about 150 black bags worth of soil. Um, that was a mistake in <laughs> terms times. of yeah, in terms yeah. of not knowing you had to do that. So there's an extra four grand or so um, on your cost. Okay, yeah. Um, that was a mistake. Um, one more issue, which I mean, I'm not going to put, I don't want to put it as a mistake, but I probably will, is um, title deeds. Always check the title deeds on anything that you're committing to from auction. Um, make sure you don't miss something that's in there because it's very important that no one has a charge registered on a property that you then can't get off because they don't want to remove it, for example. Yeah. Um, so that's another um, thing I would say um, as well. Um, and also another one would be the first time that I then decided to go, I guess, back to brick on a project. Um, the first time I decided to go back to brick, it meant brand new door cases, brand new floorboards. The house was completely gutted and it was just not having a previous benchmark on what the cost of that refurb then is. Yes. And then when it finishes to a certain level, you where you bought what you initially anticipated uh, to that initial client quite yep. a few years ago when I did a project for them, um, when I was starting to go into the heavier stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's always good to take that step, like I was saying. Okay. Before. And then what are your top three tips for new people in property? I would say take time, digest, um, read books um, or read a podcast um, or um, watch videos. Whichever one is obviously best for you. Um, Ted Talks podcast, obviously, yeah. <laughs> so whichever one's best for them. Um, on top of that, for me, I would always say networking. I talk quite mm-hmm. positively about networking is get out there, talk to like-minded people and see what they're doing. You might do a deal with them in the future. They might have access to some finance for you as well. Um, 
that's a key one. Um, and also obviously make sure you're, you're at events um, and make sure you're doing your numbers correctly for any deal that you're working on or something that you're sending to someone as well. I get emails, a lot of emails from sources, for example. It's good if they know the top level of, okay, what is the GDP of this land before they it then send be it good. out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because all of a sudden, if I get the wrong number from them, I'll kind of dismiss them straight away and then not give them that second chance. Yeah. It might be a year later before they get back in with you. So yeah, that's another true. one I would say as well. Okay. And then lastly, what are your top three or your next three goals for the future? They can be personal, running mm-hmm. a marathon, they can be anything. Okay. So one for me, um, at the moment, I mean, anyone that's followed me on Instagram knows I've been speaking quite actively about Homes of the Hammer, coming to potentially um, film um, the latest project that we've got coming on. Um, we do have a few te- uh, title issues on that project. So um, if I can't do it on this one, then yes, it would be to do that in the future. Um, just be featured on Homes of the Hammer. Get on TV, man. Get on TV. That's it. That's one of them. Um, another one is to do a more on development side of things. So I know I referred to like the extensions, 150 grand extensions, rebuilds. We're doing a bit more. So for example, five um, houses, for example. Again, anyone following me on Instagram knows I've been talking about something that should be going through. Um, so yeah, hopefully that does. And then that will really be crafty. 13, 14 kind of apartment new builds um, nice. on there as well, which is perfect. Um, and lastly, for me, it's still going back to the creating an impact on someone else's life. For me, it's about someone that doesn't have a property. Um, we're in discussions at the moment with my business partner to look at a competition where, I'm going to announce it here, where we can kind of say, okay, well, here's 12.5% towards your deposit. You put 12.5% in, we'll put 12.5% in as well. Um, so that's something that I'm saying now that we're going to probably step up that marketing activity okay. to push that message out there. So anyone new to property, that's not about working with, with us only. It's about helping you to get into property and getting in that door. Mm. Um, so that's another goal, which again, not money related, it's about impacting someone else's life. I like that. Okay, Mo, if people want to get a hold of you, yeah. how can they find you? So you can find me on Instagram, that's a good platform. It's brighter underscore investments. Um, and also email wise, it's info at brighterinvestments.com. Um, same with the website, brighterinvestments.com. Amazing. I'll put this all in the show notes for everyone who has listened to this. And Romero, thank you so much for thank coming on the podcast. Thank you very much, Tej. Much If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.